0: And if you know, ergo, we love independent, and we love shit not being locked down. So, <laughs> so go ahead and get Overcast for free on the App Store. I'm Damon. I'm Daniel, and we're the hosts of Climate Change Makers podcast, brought to you by Elevate. Over the course of 2020, we had the opportunity to talk with some amazing environmental justice movement workers as part of Elevate's 20th anniversary, and we're so excited to be back for season two. So we're going to be bringing you brand new conversations with environmental justice workers across the country, but before we launch season two, we wanted to revisit some of the conversations from season one. Uh, The last question that we asked all of our guests in their interviews was what an organization like Elevate should be doing differently or should learn from the work of grassroots movements and communities. So we're happy to share their answers here. You know, some really beautiful responses that I think will be useful beyond just the environmental justice space, but in whatever space you work in terms of the importance of relationship and how power needs to show up to create the world that we want. So let's return to our conversations from season one and hear from these brilliant change-makers in their own words.
1: The biggest gap that exists is maybe this question of, like, Expertise, especially in past years, the environmental movement has really been centered around this idea of like experts, right? Mm -hmm. Scientists telling us what's going on. Then you have policymakers to try and address it. We know that the very beginnings of the environmental movement was a very insulated movement that mostly consisted of just lobbying from like old white people, and it's not that what they did was bad in any way, you know, some of the most important laws regarding conservation and sustainability were passed as a result of those white people lobbying, (laughs) you know, but Communities of color that, have, you know, that were saying that their communities were being wrecked by some of the results of, you know, industrialization and some of the results of capitalism, you know, were being completely overlooked. And so I think in recent years, there has been a more of a shift in the movement to highlight those voices, but that is a shift that needs to push even further forward. And so the idea that you have to be an expert, something that we were trying to figure out with the Chicago Youth Alliance for Climate Action in our meetings was how to make information be presented in a way that is not seen as like i'm feeding you this but this is for you to take if you want it mm-hmm. and so obviously being trained you know in university for something is not the same thing as having actually experienced it and so in you know, in that way those experiences that you have like communities of color have when it comes to things like pollution those experiences should be amplified much louder you know than just the experts mm-hmm. and so for definitely for young people too. Yeah, we shouldn't be disregarded because we haven't necessarily had the technical training for these things. Instead, our perspective and our opinion should be taken as a unique one that is rooted in our personal beliefs and feelings and experiences that we've had, you know, as young people who are facing something really, really scary. um, And that is valuable regardless of whether or not there is expertise, I think.
2: People are experts on their own lives. And so this idea that like we need someone to come in and, and save anyone else is just not valid. Um, the thing that we need is people to stand together and to be allies and to follow the lead of those who are being most affected. There's a ton of opportunity to, you know, go to organizations and say, like, what do you need? Not this is what I'm offering, but what do you need? And then figure out like, okay, like, well, if that's what they need, then this is what I can do. Or this is what I know other people can do for you. When we talk about environmental justice, it's because we're talking about environmental racism. And it's because we're talking about racism. It's a systemic problem. We can't boil it down to a person or a thing and say like, this is going to solve the problem. These are big, large, systemic problems. And you have to be ready to be uncomfortable as we tackle all of these things. You know, because we all have to look at like, The ways in which we have been both oppressed and been oppressors and the ways in which we have privilege and don't have privilege and like who is losing out the most. And that can be difficult, but I firmly believe there is room for everyone in the revolution and there's lots of roles that you have to play in the revolution. As we go out and we participate in it, like figure out what your role is and do it. And you'll make mistakes and that's okay. You learn and you move forward. As long as we are moving forward, we have possibility, we have potential.
3: Folks who are at the structural margins are the ones who've been surviving and mitigating harm from the state. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of leadership we need to take across all of our movements, right? We have to make sure that we're not in this sort of individual survivalist way of thinking, and we start thinking about how our community is going to make it through this. How do we deal with the inevitability, right, that folks will catch something, that folks will be in a state where there's fire, where there's storms, and how do we hold each other down? And I think disability justice movements, because of the way that they think about these things on an everyday basis, it's like in the DNA of what folks are thinking about, are really folks that we, the rest of us need to take humble lessons from um, and make sure that we're following as we try and mitigate climate, as we try and respond to situations like this, right? When folks are dismissive of the severity of, of consequences, it's like that's an ableist thing to do. I think the other thing that I want to lift up in this moment is changing things at this scale is a team sport. You have to have some rules about how you play that team sport. So as you're trying to build toward this work, like really making sure that it's really clear what scenarios are you going to be facing together? Do you have values that you're aligned around? How can you use those values to guide the decision-making when things get really hard and you're having to make exchanges that folks are not comfortable with? How can you make sure to let decision-making be as open and transparent and democratic as it can be? That's just so important in problems of these scales, because otherwise what you essentially have is like the folks that are able to get access end up making executive decisions on behalf of everyone else. And that's not really an acceptable way to do things. Um, So you need to be thinking about those joint decision making way earlier than it gets to that point, especially as we're dealing with policies, especially when we're dealing with decision making. We have to hold ourselves to the highest standard about making sure that we're really taking people's input seriously when the power is really close.
4: You know, you have to be able to really listen and hear, um, you know, this whole sense of co-creation together. But, you know, they're charged with a a particular task and it could be as, 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 you know, small as like, well, you know, in the budget, like how many Black vendors do you have? Who are you sourcing from? Are you putting your money where your mouth is, across the board? It shouldn't be like, a chore, it should be more like if we're going to present ourselves as being concerned about the energy and consumption and the livelihood of said communities, here's a certain set of things that we should look at ourselves first in order to do that. I think that's always a really healthy place to start to look around, but I do think that there those are you know some fundamental steps that have to be taken from the beginning. if you think about like elevate and then what they're doing now, which is kind of trying to reach out to different voices. So the on-the-ground kind of presence of the organization is not familiar. So they need to think about the kind of partners they have to build for the execution or the implementation of whatever the resource is. And that resource will help make you know, people's lives better. That's why the money was given. And that often means that you're giving away power, too.
5: The people with the money may not share your values. And in order for you to exist, you got to figure out how you sustain yourselves in order to do the good work. Somebody's got to pay the bills. Sometimes it's about how do you impact those, making those decisions to see things from a different perspective. But you can't always just go in with your agenda. or you going to lose? Because everybody has their own agenda, including the people in power. And so the only way that you can get them to see life your way is to figure out what their agenda is and how yours connect with it. Otherwise, you don't get the money you need to survive. The reality is most of the people with money has either stole it or cheated or something to have it. And so they're not going to be so interested in sharing it. That's not how they got it. What are their true beliefs? And how do what I want to do connect to that mm-hmm. without naming it greed on their part. <laughs> some days I want to know how much is enough, how much profit must you make to say, we have enough profit, let's let's serve the people. It never is that conversation. That's a part of the capitalistic system that everybody feels like they need more. And they may die tonight, but they still want more because they're never sure what might happen that may require they need more or have more. I, I don't know. I mean, I just sort of look at things differently by saying, well, you might die tonight. So what would you need more of? I would think you need more peace of mind and more relationships and stuff right. like that, more so than money. Because I always tell my grandson, money is an exchange. You can't do very much with it, but exchanging for something else that you think is of value. So how do we value people?
6: Looking deeper within and seeing what resources we got. We're also being transparent on what we need, push the ego down a little bit and just come in and, and, and have more conversation with each other and say, here's what we can do for you. Here's what we need. And then the other way around, like really being in a circle and, and, and coming and ground, and, and see like what other one can do. We're so used to the, the corporate capital infrastructure, like that's so the wave. So we even even amongst us in our group we've had we've had to figure out certain ways to navigate not knowing each other and how to get you know on a level the big picture is everything this is all beyond us and what's what we're working towards so uh, you know even though I found this and and there were some core ideas and I put the call out it's just powerful just it wouldn't be where it sat without anybody so just respect for having having me here and represent for the team
7: I want them to know everything that we have kind of been talking about of just neighborhoods like Greater Inglewood having so much opportunity and are in desperate need of environmental equity. However, they can help provide that. It's needed and there is opportunity to to do something different here. And so helping repurpose one of the 18 closed schools in, in Greater Inglewood, as an example and using that as a way to demonstrate what an energy-efficient, equitable repurposing of a school could look like. And I would hope that they could think about contributing to some resident-led organizations that are behind a plan, one being, funny enough, called Go Green on Racine. They have a school that they are... Um, trying to develop into being all of these spaces that we just described. And of course, they're going to need more energy efficient investment solutions to make that happen. And I think that they should really look at that resident driven plan.
8: You know, a lot of the decisions for organizations are being made in, in the boardrooms. And we need those conversations to be taken to our front stoops. You know, when we're talking about, you know, the impacts to communities that people from those communities are at the table so that people are not speaking for them, that they have the opportunity to tell their own stories and that they're not used to just talk about how terrible their situation is. And then they turn to like a white male expert for the solution because that feels really awful to be invited all the time to talk about how terrible your neighborhood is, Mm -hmm. and then they turn to somebody else to talk about the solutions. Mm. We need to make sure that impacted folks are well-resourced so that they can participate in these opportunities, you know, to talk about what's happening in their community and the solutions. But there are so many unsung heroes that do this work, and we need to make more space for these emerging leaders to also be at the table because there's so many tables (laughs) there's more tables than there are (laughs) us making sure that we have um opportunities for the young people to have meaningful jobs you know to be interning at these organizations and to have people who have been fighting this since they were wee ones little tiny kids you know to be able to have an opportunity to do meaningful work in these organizations on issues of environmental justice, of conservancy, of flooding, of lead service line replacements, bringing those young people and giving them the opportunity to, to be part of the work is really key if we want a, a movement that's going to be sustainable. And even though, you know, we may not be as sophisticated <laughs> as, you know, somebody just graduated from who knows where, we bring a, quite a bit to the table.
0: Wow, what a wonderful set of reminders and calls to action from our guests on season one. So please take these beautiful and powerful lessons and apply them to any of the spaces that you inhabit. And while you're doing that, keep an eye out for season two. We'll be back soon with brand new episodes. Make sure you subscribe to Climate Changemakers wherever you get your podcasts. You can also subscribe to Ergo, the podcast that we also produce, uh, A-I-R-G-O, on all your podcast apps. Uh, Make sure you check out Elevate and see all the great work they're doing to advance equity through climate action at elevatenp.org. All right, y'all. Looking forward to bringing you season two. We'll talk to you soon. Much love to the people.
3: Peace.